Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear the word that you have for us tonight. Thank you for the unadulterated gospel, the Holy Scriptures that you left us to help us navigate this life, to be bold and courageous, to know the truth, to stand according to the truth. We know that in this season, many people are being led astray. Many believers are no longer walking according to the truth. We pray for those who are not in the will that you have for them and that they will return. They will, their eyes will open, their ears will be able to hear and humble themselves to the truth that they will not allow their hearts to be hardened, but to come back to the gospel and walk according to it so that we all can hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I know that this word will do exactly what you said. Holy Spirit is here to guide us through to bring truth. And we thank you for all that you do, Heavenly Father. In the name of your Son, Christ, who shall we pray? Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about being set apart um, as believers, as Christians, what it means, what it looks like, and truly what God has expected for us as a set apart. Who are the set apart people? In Hebrew, the word is called Kodesh, and it means exactly that, to be set apart, consecrated, a holy thing, um, a sanctuary, something that's dedicated to something particular. And Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 22 through 25. So the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the Lord of Israel was high above them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldean to those in captivity. And the vision that I had seen went up from me. So I spoke to those in captivity of all the things the Lord had shown me. And Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity and go into captivity by day in their sight. You shall go from the place into captivity into another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house. By day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight, as though going into captivity. And at the evening you shall go in their sight like those going into captivity. Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings out through it. In their sight you shall bear them on your shoulders and carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. For I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. When the Israelites were getting ready to go into captivity, God had chosen Ezekiel to warn them. And he was using them as an example. He was using Ezekiel as an example to show them what their life is going to be like if they don't repent, if they don't turn. He said they were a rebellious house. But I'm going to use you, Ezekiel, as a sign for them to hopefully look over and see 
that they need to make a difference. They need to change. In this present day that we're living in, this present time, those who are like Ezekiel, the set apart, the Kodeshim, are looking, if you will, kind of weird to the rest of the world. And even to the people who say they believe in Christ, there has been a separation and continually a separation between the people who are walking according to the faith and those who are still living according to the customs of this world. When you look back over the history of Christianity, particularly as it made its way to Rome, Christians had developed this behavior that all they want to do was be a part of this world. They want to entangle themselves, associate themselves with things of the world. They had the same behavior as other Christians uh, who didn't necessarily want to be a part of the world, where they went to church on, uh, on the Sunday that was created, changing the Sabbath, and they did different uh, fellowship gatherings with other believers. But outside of that, they went back to the world and participated in the world separately from those who decided to stay outside the faith or stay inside the faith. So when I look at this, I, I look at how some of us probably are not being, some of us are probably looking a little odd to our friends and our family members because we are doing things that doesn't look like the norm. We're not participating in the world like everyone else. And God has chosen us who have decided to come out of this world to be the example, to be the difference. He's shown us how our ways at one point was not considered the set apart. He showed us how our attitude, our behaviors, and maybe things that we did were not holy or righteous. And we recognized them and decided to repent, to turn from. Many people say that repent is to have a deep sorrow or regret for the actions that we committed. But the truth is repentance is actually turning from one's ways that are not holy. Whenever you look at the biblical times, prior to Christ, when God had told his people to turn, to repent, to give up these ways, he wasn't speaking specifically about just thinking differently about their ways. They weren't punished because of the thoughts that they had in their heart or in their mind. They were punished because their behaviors were not righteous and they kept living outside of his will. So when we look at Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 22 through 25, God tells his people, God tells Ezekiel, he shows Ezekiel through a dream, through a vision, that the spirit of the Lord no longer rested over the city. It was removed because of the rebellious behavior of the house of Israel. And he takes Ezekiel before the people and tell them and tell him to take his things, his belongings, as one going into captivity and show them as he's moving with his stuff. He's carrying his stuff on his shoulder, displaying this, this behavior as a sign to the house of Israel. You know, I I think about the, the times that I lived a certain way in my, my life that I wanted to be a pro athlete, at being in law enforcement, 
and just different things I wanted to pursue and many things I got to pursue and things I was able to do. But when I pursued these things, I never really had a mindset of being a holy Christian, if you will, someone who was just consecrated to God. My mindset was really about getting these goals accomplished. I wanted to be wealthy and live in a big house and become famous. And and my, my intentions were, you know, they were good. I didn't want to go out and, uh, you know, just be famous for nothing. I wanted to help a lot of people out and do these different uh, career goals to be able to financially support people. And But at the end of the day, I was never really doing the things for God. I didn't do it as his holy set apart child. I was doing it to please myself and and even more so so people can look at me and say, hey, look what I'm doing. I'm out here being an example of righteousness, being a holy man. And when I finally got to open up my eyes and see how I was living and it wasn't from a true place of humility, it was more about gratifying my own desires. I had a decision to make that I want to continue being that person or or did I want to change my ways and be the man that God wants me to be according to scripture? A lot of people in this present age battle with that same choice because we have family members and friends, longtime associates that look at us a certain way. And whether we want to admit it or not, we often seek their approval. That's why we dress a certain way. That's why we talk a certain way. Many of us in our personal life, when we're at home around our close associates, we don't speak the way we do when we're out on our jobs or in different places around people we know or may not even know. And the reason being is because at the end of the day, we want to look a certain way to certain people. And for most people, that's their makeup. Their lives are shaped around what they normally do, what other people have smiled about regarding their behaviors, what they have said, hey, that's a nice outfit or, hey, I like how you preach that sermon and all these different accolades or appreciations we received. And for a lot of us, knowingly and unknowingly, have built our our walk based on how people respond. And God in his grace and mercy sent his spirit to come to the earth to inform us, to open our eyes, to to allow us to see what we would not have been able to see without his spirit. And and sadly, in this present age, many people reject what they see. And they say, you know, when you get a certain age or when you become old, you get stuck in your ways. I mean, that could that could very well be a true statement. But I look at over the history of the Bible, the scriptures, and I see that there are people well past the age of many of us, and yet they changed their ways because they saw that their ways were not pleasing to God. And they decided in their own heart that they wanted a heart that he would accept, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. And they chose to be a set apart people. As we continue to move through this life and walk this journey as believers, a lot of people are not going to understand what we do. They're not going to accept us and our ways. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And many people, because of the fact that information is bigger now than it's ever been before, you can get it at the speed of light. They know as as Christians that the that uh, Thanksgiving is not a 
biblically-backed holiday. In fact, it's actually a pagan holiday, and they know this. But because they have spent so much of their lives being accepted by others, really seeking, as the Bible tells us, the praises of men, not the praises of God, they're going to continue to participate in this ritual, this pagan ritual of giving feasts or giving uh, praises to pagan gods. And of course, Christmas is going to roll around and many people are going to be doing overtime or taking out loans or borrowing money or going into their savings accounts to be able to purchase gifts and buy Christmas trees and do these different things to continue with tradition. And sadly, many of them will not recognize the fact that God is not pleased with their behavior, or they will very well see it and say, well, you know what? What's a little bit of a holiday? All we're doing is coming together and we are hanging out with each other. We're having a family gathering. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10, he tells the believers, he says that, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now a people of God, who had not obtained the mercy, but now have obtained the mercy. And these are the individuals who received the call to come out of darkness and answer the call and are continuing it. And the reason why he tells us that we are a holy nation, now a a special people is so that we can proclaim the praises of him, not the praises of our friends, our family members, our closest associates, our boss, or whoever the people in this world are, but the praises of him so that he can be glorified in our life, how we walk, how we talk, how we think. This is what God is looking for in this season. He is looking for the people who will all the way to the end, endure. Sometimes that's enduring persecution. Sometimes it's affliction in our health. Sometimes it's being lonely. You know, when you look at those who were called from Genesis to the present era, they're not typically surrounded by a lot of people. And when they get closer to their greatest test of, of moving to the last phase yeah, usually are by themselves or with a very, very small group. Not too often do you see in the Old Testament scripture where God had called multiple prophets or his leaders of the faith, watchmen, to go up against or to stand out and be different. It's typically one, maybe two. And the reason why this happens is because we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, because of the desires of the flesh and the pride of life, most people don't want to stand up for the gospel. They don't want to stand up for God. It's easy to find several excuses instantly about why we can do different things that we can't find supported in the Holy Scriptures. But it takes a challenge to, when you know the truth, to stand by it especially when you see those close to you in your community and you look at people you've known for a while and they just fall away. 
And they can very well see, but they choose not to see. They can hear, but they decide to close their ears. I share this word because I know what it's like to be in a place of deciding that I'm going to serve God wholly, not half step, not partially. And when the commitment is made, many people don't understand that. Many people can't agree with what you do. And sometimes you feel like there's not enough people there to ride the storm with you, that storm that washes away the old in our life. And we feel like, what's the point sometimes? You know, isn't this what grace is for? Why not just take a little time to indulge or maybe go into these ways that are not necessarily don't appear necessarily evil, but we know in our heart we've been convicted. But I want you to know these are the thoughts of the enemy. This is what Satan uses to slip us up in our walk, to cause us to stumble. And we have to decide in those moments of doubt, disbelief, or when the enemy tries to get us to regret our walk, we have to choose to stand for what is right. One thing I love about the Heavenly Father is that he, being the God of love, never forces his will on anyone. We are all free to choose what we want. And I think that's the best way a God can operate. Because who would want to sit under some tyrant, a dictator, that tells you, you're going to serve me, and that's it. And God, in all his grace, have extended so much time to all of us to decide who do we really want to serve. And I really believe that there, it's never too late to turn, to truly have a heart for him, turn back from, turn away from the things that are not pleasing to him. And I, I believe this because of the thief that was on the cross next to Christ. He recognized that he was the Messiah. And because he said this, Christ told him that this day you'll be with me in paradise. And he was at a position of truly being on his deathbed. He didn't have a chance to go do something different. But in that one moment before he died, he became the Kodeshim, the set apart. His heart was set on Christ. I wouldn't gamble thinking that we're in the same position as the man on the cross next to Christ or think that maybe when our final hour come, the Bible says that it is only God who weighs the heart, who understands the heart of each individual. And if we hear his call, if we hear his voice, the Bible says, harden not your heart. He's only calling you to be set apart. He's not calling you for anything else. He's calling you to be an example of what set apart is. And that's what he did with Ezekiel. He didn't use Ezekiel to start a business or open up a school. He used him to speak to the people, to be a living testimony of being set apart, particularly as a prophet. What are those things in your life that God wants you to be set apart from? I believe that this is a season that we ought to look intently at those customs, traditions, and practices, behaviors that we are so used to, but know, but truly know that it is not what we're supposed to partake in. And I believe that we ought to separate ourselves from these things, from these ways that God finds no pleasure in. When you look at how Christ talks about what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, he makes mention of a wedding banquet. And he also talks about 10 
versions for five that were wise and five that were not wise. And each of these parables is about those who were foolish and those who were wise. It was those who were prepared to come in to the wedding banquet and those who were not. And as the bride of Christ, the church, the Kodeshim, we can't live entangled into the affairs of this world. In Revelations, it talks about how this is an adulterous bride, a, a fornicating bride, who, while sh should be keeping ourselves holy, consecrated as the Kodeshim, we mess around with the wickedness, the sins of this world. It even specifically talks about the spirit of Jezebel. And if you were marrying somebody and you've made these vows before to set this agreement that we're going to get married, and before you even have the wedding, you find out that this person is doing all kind of whatnots with other people, you would you would not consider that person to be set apart. You would you would not believe that their heart is set on you. And now while we may say, that person may say we are truly committed, looking forward to that wedding day, our actions are proven otherwise. And this is what Christ is telling us. He's saying he's given us time to decide to clean our robes, to dress ourselves, to prepare ourselves for the wedding banquet. He didn't say go out and be perfect because he met us while we were wicked people. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. And He, when he died for us, we accepted this truth and he rose again. We now became or now have the right to be children of God, which means we are in a position to be a part of the wedding ceremony. But if we keep going back to all those wicked things Christ have Christ brought us out of through what he did on the cross, then the father who is always looking, he's always watching, knows that when he sends his son back, the bridegroom, we won't be ready. In fact, we won't even be paying attention. We'll miss him coming because we will be looking at with our hearts and our minds of those things that are not acceptable for a bride that's getting ready to marry the bridegroom. So as I said before, we're living in a time of much distraction. There are many things that are out there in the world today that can deter us, that can take us off course if we allow it. And these are new age things like computers and cell phones. Social media is the biggest tool today that can distract us. But and on top of these new distractions, we still have all the old things that come against us, our ways, our thoughts, associations. But we have to make a decision. We have to discipline ourselves through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and stay set apart, stay ready for the wedding banquet. Christ warns the disciples several times to be ready, to be watchful. In Matthew 24, 36, he said, no man knows the hour or the day. While the signs of the times is happening all around us, we still don't know the exact day or time. This is how the father has set it up. And he, and when he sent back his son, we all have to ask ourselves every day throughout the day, will we be ready? 
Are we dressed? So I want to encourage us to consecrate our hearts. You know, it's so easy to just look over and say, you know what? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? I know it's just a little temptation. A righteous, a righteous man falls seven times. There's so many ways that we can try to manipulate our own thoughts to make us do things that we shouldn't. But I want to empower you with the word of God to stay the course. You see, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you if you're going down a road, you shouldn't go down. He's not going to scream at you and yell at you. It's going to be an an easy, smooth voice. And we have to decide, do we want to risk that being the moment we completely turn from God or the time Christ returns? Or do we want to be able to have enough oil in our lamps ready so when the call goes out, the door doesn't get shut in our face? Let's walk according to the truth. Let's be obedient. Let's be encouraged with the truth. The Bible tells us there there are believers all over the world that are enduring the same thing. We're not alone, even if we feel like it. We may not be many, may not be a lot of us in mass groups that are separating ourselves from the world. And in Revelation, it tells us this and that the faithful church was few. Let's stay the faithful church and know that what we endure on this side is in no comparison to the reward on the other side. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who hear this word, that they will be encouraged, that they will choose to walk according to your word, that they will continue to follow a heart of being set apart from the evils of this world, preparing themselves to be received at the wedding banquet, staying watchful, staying ready, staying who you've called us to be. We know that the enemy is busy, but nothing he do can stand between us doing and living according to your truth. We give you the glory and the honor. Your name, Yahushua, the Messiah, we pray. Amen.